You Betcha She Did is brought to you by the Ladies First podcast production company, specializing in helping women entrepreneurs launch and manage podcasts and YouTube channels. Learn more at their website, ladiesfirstpodcastproduction.company. Ladies, have you arrived? You betcha you have. But you know your LinkedIn headshot? It might need some love. Don't worry, John Erline Photo has you covered. John will coach you on the perfect expression that will create a connection with your professional network. And to be honest, that's what we want, right? Connection and opportunities. When people respect you, they treat you differently. So schedule a new kind of headshot experience with John Erline Photo. Booking is easy and fast. You can schedule your session today at www.johnerlinephoto, that's J-O-N-E-R-L-I-E-N-photo.com. Your image is worth investing in. Did she really do that? You betcha she did. And welcome to You Betcha She Did, the podcast featuring female entrepreneurs and women who have paved the way. Today, I definitely have a woman who has paved the way. It is a a woman who I've had the pleasure of meeting on a trip several years ago. Um, I went on a trip trekking in Rwanda to see mountain gorillas. And this is where I met Kumari Anderson, who was a construction manager and engineer working for ExxonMobil in Nigeria. At the time, I was an international teacher teaching at the American School in Lagos, Nigeria. And Kumari, since the moment I met her, has struck me as a remarkable woman. She is one of the most positive women I have ever met. And her career speaks for itself. Over 40 years in the construction engineering business, with 25 of those years overseas. So Kumari, I was looking over your resume, and I noticed that in 1980, you earned uh, a degree in civil engineering from Michigan. What was that like, especially as a a Black woman going into civil engineering? Like, tell me a little bit about that experience. Well, uh, because it is my alma mater, it was actually uh, Michigan State. Go Michigan State. And yes, I graduated in 1980 with a uh, civil engineering degree. It was a journey. And it was a journey that basically started when I was in junior high school. And I want to give a shout out to my drafting teacher, at the time. His name was Mr. Patterson because he was a teacher who influenced my life tremendously. Uh, I was essentially told um, that uh, engineering wasn't something that little girls like me went into. I think I was in the ninth grade and my parents encouraged me to do what I wanted to do. And so when I got into the 10th grade, I took a drafting class. Mr. Patterson was my drafting teacher, and I was, again, the only female and only African-American in the class. But Mr. Patterson encouraged me, uplifted me. I took three years of his drafting class. He prepared me for college, told me what classes to take. And quite frankly, had it not been from him, I probably would have not had the career in engineering. So fast forward, I got through college which sometimes was a bit difficult because, quite frankly, back in that time, there were very few uh, minorities in engineering. 
So you, you'd be the only one in class and until people figured out that you kind of helped set the curve on certain tests and then people wanted to include you in their study group. And then, okay. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> you were like smart as everybody else. But again, you just had to kind of stay true to yourself. Now, I said, my parents were always there in my corner encouraging me to, to, to push forward, which fortunately I did and subsequently uh, graduated and ended up um, with mobile oil going uh, to work in Louisiana, which seemed to be the, the most the most different job offer that I had at the time. And that was one reason why I, why I took the job, because I didn't know what working in the oil field was because I grew up in, in Michigan. So I thought it was something that sounded pretty cool to do. And I did. And that's when the real adventure started. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I can only imagine. I mean, even sometimes moving, you know, from northern states to southern states, there's always a big difference in culture. So, you know, looking on your resume, besides 40 years of work experience, you've spent 25 years working overseas and in some pretty remote places. Nigeria, of course, where we met, but also Angola and Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea is a place actually I've always been fascinated by. Tell me a little bit about that experience. Papua New Guinea, of all the projects I worked on, was probably a culmination of all of them from a challenge perspective. And and subsequently, I was the construction manager for 285 kilometers of uh, onshore pipeline installation. And we were were blessed with an an amazing contractor, uh, installation contractor, because quite frankly, no person's success is is realized in a bubble. It takes a team. You're only as good as the team around you. I was only as good as my management team that was out in the field every day. I was only as good sometimes on jobs where as good as quite frankly the contractors were. And in Papua New Guinea, we had an amazing contractor and I had an amazing team. So I want to give all the credit to them and that's where I'm going to leave that. But it was it was like working in National Geographic every day. We were challenged with the terrain. We were challenged with all of the cultural differences. We were challenged with, with putting, putting pipeline in remote areas where we had to also build roads to get to the proposed pipeline setting. We had to build camps to house the people who were putting the pipeline in. We had to go out and do community projects ahead of the pipeline we had a lot of stoppages. We had security issues we were dealing with. It was extremely dangerous terrain as well. So all of that together made for a very interesting, yet uniquely challenging two and a half years. Yeah, no doubt. What was the terrain like? It's, it's as far as I understand, like kind of a mountainous, but jungly, right? Or we, we started when the pipeline started, came, when it came in from offshore, it actually started in very marshy terrain, oh, okay. uh, which had its own challenge. Uh, and subsequently, as we, we moved further up north, the terrain got a lot more mountainous, like serious mountains. And there were trees. Everything was because it was none of it was developed. So even before we put the pipeline in, we had to go out and clear and cut down trees just just to make because the right of way was was fairly wide. And so then you had to cut down trees to make the roads to get to the right of way to put the pipeline in. So it was more than just putting a pipeline in. It was and I'm talking clearing miles and miles of trees. 
which was extremely dangerous in itself. In some places, it was very hard rock, so you had to use explosives to to, to clear the path and and put the ditch in, and and so and again, all of this in areas where they were so remote that these villages had never seen people, had never seen equipment. They again, we were dealing with security issues where. Some some security issues were much more challenging than others. Every day was a new adventure. <laughs> no doubt. But it was also the most re- rewarding as well because it was so difficult. So going back to, you know, being a, a black female in a very male dominated field, you know, working with oil companies and construction, what were some things that were really challenging about that as a career? And what were some things that went relatively well? The majority of the challenges were earlier on in my career. A lot of it was based on the fact that I didn't know anything about the oil field when I started. So it was the challenge of having to learn the business. It was a challenge of, in the the 80s, having to learn the business when there were very few females and even less African-American females. So, you know, as an example, offshore I didn't always have my own bedroom to sleep in. Some of the vessels that I would be living on offshore only had one shower, one restroom, one dish, one washer and dryer. You know, there were often times where I was either having to share bunk spaces with males or hot sheet, things of which, you know, the industry's come a long way. Women don't have to do that. But my challenge was okay, what do I need to do to survive this and still have people respect me? Quite frankly, I can actually look back because I think I had the right attitude. The guys actually eventually looked after me like I was like their own mother or sister or whatever. They became very protective. Oh, that's great to hear. Yes, yes. They became very, very protective. Again, you know, sometimes it's it's about the attitude of saying I'm going to stay true to myself I'm going to come out here. I'm going to work as hard. I'm not going to expect any special treatment. There were often times I'd get up in the middle of the night and do my own laundry and take my showers just to, to get out of the way of the, 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 the guys out there. And then you become a pretty close knit unit as well because you're just out there working with the guys. I I had a tendency sometimes in my younger years to, to, to push back sometimes with, with more management personnel. And I learned to, to, to finesse that a little bit better as I got older in my career. But when you're in your 20s, you have a different attitude than <laughs> you in your 30s and your 40s. And it also comes with more experience where I became uh, much more confident in myself as the years went by. You know, you kind of get, get some of that experience on your belt. Yeah, I can see that. I, I like what you were saying, too, about um, the close-knit community of you and the other guys working together. Like, I feel like when I was living overseas, because you're in a different environment, you form these instant bonds with people and you see them all the time and you do lots of stuff together. And I can imagine when you're in an even more remote situation, you've really come to rely on one another and depend on one another and, you know, have to support each other. And, and back in, in, the, in, in, in that time, you didn't have the computer. So you weren't expected, because business has also evolved, you weren't expected to instantly be on your computer all the time, send emails back to the home office. 
when you were offshore, you were just offshore. The only, you know, you had a ship to shore radio to communicate with. That's what I was wondering. I'm like, how did you guys communicate? Okay. You didn't, you were out there and you were, it was you and the folks that were out there and you had a radio and generally you were out there and you had to figure it out yourself, which I frankly think was a, a better way of learning because you had to basically then rely on your own people skills and rely on the people that you were out there working with to get the job done. And, and again, you weren't constantly on the phone or on the computer trying to manage information going back to the home office. So in today's environment, it's a bit different because of the, those expectations have changed somewhat and they have changed some of that environment. So I was constantly on the deck with the guys instead of in the office. And so when they see you out there with them, you know, and I thought, okay, well, instead of just sitting around, sometimes you would kind of pitch in and, and try to help where you could yet stay out of the way and, you know, still provide a positive influence out there. It, it had a tendency to, 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 I think, also help with the bonding. Yeah, that makes sense. It leads or lends a more personable element because they get to know you. Yeah, you're not just this figure in an office hiding away. You're part of the crew, part of the team. Like you said, the industry's changed over time in positive and maybe some negative ways. But yeah, what advice would you have for women looking to go into maybe more male-dominated fields like construction or engineering? The, my first and foremost is you can do anything you want to do, whether it and it's in male-dominated or non-male-dominated fields, because you have every right to be there as they do. I'll also say that you can't always expect people to change just because you're there, but you can always demand to be respected. I like that. Yes. You don't have to demand it always verbally. There's nonverbal ways to do it just by how you, how you treat yourself and how you present yourself. My dad offered me the advice before I went to work offshore. He told me, he said, don't expect those guys to change just because you show up. You're going to have to learn how to how to maneuver in their environment until they get used to having you around. That's really good and advice. It was great advice from my father. And that's advice that I will pass on. Again, does it mean that you have to, to, to compromise who you are? No. Does it mean you have to... To, to take, you know, harassment, no, it doesn't. It's okay because if it, sometimes if it costs you in, a, in the present tense, you actually end up better in the future tense. What may seem bad today is going gonna, is gonna to be so much better tomorrow. I worked for a company, as you saw from my work career, I was a, a construction superintendent for a gas utility company at one point in my career which was a great job, by the way. I loved it. Unfortunately, uh, I, I got crossways with the department manager and a superintendent. And so I was eventually transferred out of the department. I didn't want to be transferred. But by being transferred out of that department and losing that job that I loved so much, I decided it was time for another change. I started looking for another job. I actually, and that's when I ended up back at Mobile Oil 
in 97. And I saw that manager a number of years later back in Nevada at a, because an old friend of mine um, had passed away and I actually saw him at her funeral and I thanked him. And I told him, I said, had it not been for the fact that you guys transferred me, I probably would still be in that department thinking that that was the, the pinnacle of my career when it wasn't. It forced me to leave and back up at mobile, subsequently Exxon Mobil, and my and and seeing the world and doing what I did the last 25 years. That's so cool. I love how, yeah, things that initially maybe seem bad turned out to be the pivot that you needed to push you in that new direction. And Absolutely. It, yeah, it becomes a blessing, but you didn't even know it at the time. Absolutely. I didn't. I just knew that that I felt that I had been unjustly treated and I left. And it was the best thing that could have happened for the for the, the latter part of my career. So that that's another thing I want all the young ladies uh, listening to this to realize that what if you're in a situation and you're in a male dominated environment and it, things just don't seem to be working out where you are, it, it that is it's all about a building block, and that's just another building block for the next good thing that's getting ready to happen. Because if it because if it happened to me, it can happen to anybody. Oh, for sure. So you got yes. that, ladies? That there's a lesson <laughs> in everything. Career, you know, when your career takes a slide, there's a lesson there that's going to help you move forward into the next direction. And you just got to be, you know, believe in it and know that it's going to help you. If you'd like to reach out and connect with Kumari, please check our show notes. In the show notes, I'll have her LinkedIn profile where you can say hello, as well as congratulate her for being one of the women leading the way. If you like this podcast, please don't be shy. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, or you can also contact us at youbetchasshedid at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.